This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Aye! Yay, yay, yay! Aye is a word with one letter, me mateys. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hi there, me mateys. I'm Joe's mom, neighbor Doug, and you're right there, landlubbers. It's National Talk Like a Pirate Day. Are you ready? Today. <coughs> Man, that's tough. Today, we're joined by the guy talking to everyone who didn't get the memo about great money habits, John Hope Bryant. Also, we'll fire some headlines at you. Shiver me trivia throw out the Haven lifeline and more. And now here's two guys who always make me want to walk the plank just to get away. Joe and oh, J-J-J-J-G. There'd be nothing better than pushing Doug off the plank. Good day, mate. <laughs> Put another shrimp on the bobby. Is it, I know he sounds Scottish, not like a, he doesn't even sound like a pirate, does he? Don't get me wrong. That was my best pirate. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to try to do the pirate. There's no pirate for me today. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And welcome to the greatest money show on earth, Wednesday. And across the table from me is the co-ringleader of this year, Band of Merry Men, the one and only OG. I may have me a little captain when we get done with this, though. So that's kind of <laughs> like pirate day. I thought you were talking about your little captain at first. I'm like, whoa, whoa. We don't need any little captain talk on the show already. The show just began, but then I got it. I understood where you were going. Yeah. You know, gee, two of the most frequent questions we get on the show are about Fam- family and time, <laughs> diversification and passive income. Oh, 
Come on. You, you, you get me really confused when you, you always have these same two, and I'm trying to get it right. But Oh, yeah. These are the new two. So how about an investment that combines both of those things? That would be real estate, of course. Have you ever heard of Roofstock? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and best of all, own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. Whether it's your first time or your season pro, all of Roofstock's certified properties are inspected in person so you know they're in good condition to have reliable tenants in place. And you can start earning monthly rental income right away. Roofstock even connects you with vetted local property managers so you can separate investing from operations. And best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. I love that with a house, OG. Don't like the house? I'm kicking it to the curb on day 28. Do it over. I know. How great is that? Press the easy button. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock for more. And the place that you go to press the easy button on everything else, Magnify Money. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money is the place you go when you want a comparison shop. 92% of all the things that are out there in the wonderful world of balance transfer credit cards, reward cards, savings accounts, checking accounts, personal loans, auto loans, consolidation loans, no matter what it is, why do you walk into your bank and just say, what do you got? You know, OG, we comparison shop everything. I know you've comparison shopped those jeans you're wearing, like you're all worried about it. You got to make sure they're the they're the best dad jeans of all. See, that's where you're mistaken. These things, they're not jeans. They they're just look like- compression pants. They're compression pants. Take a look. Don't, don't, no, God, don't. Look, look how tight they are. What? Yeah, that's bad. In ba- all the right places. I can't believe mom even lets you wear those around the house because that is disgusting. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for lots of stuff that's not disgusting. How's that for, t- we'll tell Nick that's got to be the new tagline. Magnify money, not disgusting. <laughs> probably, probably not a good way to go. Probably not a great thing to be talking about either with the most awesome guest today, John Holt Bryant wrote this book called The Memo, written for all those people that didn't get the memo. They didn't grow up in a family where they knew you got to save first, right? So how do you get the memo? How do we make more people get the memo? John Hope Bryant coming down to the basement. But first, we've got your headline, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. A couple weeks now, we've been doing fantasy football. You into fantasy football? Uh, indeed. Yep, this, is one, this is one of the few years I didn't do fantasy football. This comes to us from LendEDU.com. They did a survey of fantasy football. Guess how much time players spend on fantasy football every week? The top ones? 20 hours, probably. Yeah, on average, players spend just under eight hours a week on fantasy football. That that must include watching the games. You know, no, like, no way. You think that's on top of watching the games? Like you got a game Thursday and then you got all day Sunday that goes from, I mean, basically noon till 10 at night. That's 14 hours right there. Players spend around 4.31 hours on their fantasy football teams while at work. Well, sure. Cause work sucks. That's $1,186 in lost productivity at work per fantasy football player, which is frustrating to read that. Here's something even more frustrating though. In their study, what percentage of people in season-long leagues or even daily leagues play for money? 
Probably all of them. Why would it, why else would you play? Yeah, I phrased that wrong. Actually, it's play play. It, it was either play for fun entertainment or play to make money. Oh, most of them play to make money. Most of them play for fun entertainment, actually. But still, oh, just over a third, thirty six percent of people in season long leagues play for money, play to make money. That's why they're doing it. Thirty six percent, like one in three. And I guess then the difference between making money and playing for money, right? Like twenty bucks is not making money. Twenty bucks is playing for money. But still, yeah, okay. Thirty-three uh, percent of people in the daily doing the daily thing are playing it to make money. I just, I th- how would you do it daily if you weren't? I, I don't know. I I don't understand this survey. Well, here's what I don't understand. I don't understand why we spend so much time on something like fantasy football to make money. When I'm losing all this productivity at work, when I could go, you see all the studies of people that don't ask their boss for a raise that could get a raise, right? Oh, right. Yeah. All the side hustle action people could be doing instead of, you know, hoping that what's his name. Do eight hours of uh, Uber driving this this week and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You're not making any money and yet your fantasy football team's in third. But if, but but if Des. If I can get get this guy to trade with me. That's right. No, if so and so would have actually laid out for that damn pass, yeah. I wouldn't Des have. Bryant would have completed the catch. <laughs> right, exactly. It's just uh, f- uh, fantasy football, alive and well in the United States and around the world. I'll link to that in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Our second piece, you know, John Bryant Hope is here to talk about how the system isn't fair, right? The system is rigged, but also to say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the system is rigged. You still got to take responsibility. Here's two women that took responsibility, OG. This is from Good Money. Female entrepreneurs invented a male coworker to overcome sexism in their e-commerce world. It turns out these two women, Los Angeles-based artist Penelope Gazin and Kate Dwyer, cobbled together a few thousand dollars over a year ago to create an e-commerce site that's an edgy alternative to Etsy. Their vision was Witchsea, a marketplace for dark-humored art pins, patches, homemade crafts, books, and knickknacks from their favorite artists. But in the beginning, gaining traction in the business world was tough because nobody took them seriously. So they invited... Your idea sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might think so, but listen to this. So they'd send out emails to people and nobody would respond. Then they created a guy named Keith Mann. When Mann emailed vendors or potential investors, the response he received was completely different. It was like night and day, Dwyer said. It would take me days to get a response, but Keith could not only get a response and a status update, but also be asked if he wanted anything else, if there was anything else that Keith needed help with. A year later, Witsy had sold around $200,000 of merchandise, of which they earn about 80% from every transaction. It's, It's so, so amazing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Two guys commenting on this, that it's... uh. That system's not fair. It's still people do what it takes to make things work for them. Well, hats off to them. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'll link to that story too. Uh, so I think the lessons for today, number one, number one <laughs> lesson, I don't want to say the lesson is make up a dude. Just <laughs> have you're a, not a dude, pretend <laughs> to be one. If, Wait. No. Be, <laughs> that, do that. that might not be the lesson. And then lesson number two, which might be a real lesson, spend a bunch of time playing fantasy football while you got a bunch of credit card debt. Uh, that time might be better spent someplace At else. Casino, for example. Absolutely. John Hope Bryant. 
getting ready to march down the stairs, OG. He's a financial literacy entrepreneur, businessman. He's the founder, chairman, and chief executive officer of nonprofit Operation Hope, chief executive officer of Bryant Group Ventures, member of the President's Advisory Council on Financial Capability, co-founder of Global Dignity, co-founder of the Gallup Hope Index. And what has this guy not done? I know. I know. Well, that's why I was so excited when John said he was coming down to the basement. In fact, recently... He had a situation on a radio show. I think I'm going to open up with that, where he ended up uh, creating a little bit of controversy. And then in his response, had a YouTube video where where millions of people watched his his response to uh, something people took. People took offense to something that he said recently. He also served as vice chair on the U.S. President's Advisory Council on Financial Literacy and as the chairman of the Committee of the Underserved. So happy he's coming down to the basement. Let's say hello to John Holt Bryant. And coming down the stairs to the basement, John Holt Bryant, have a seat, man. How are you? I'm deeply honored and honored to be with you. This is a cool environment. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't get to do many interviews in a basement, I'm sure. No, but I grew up around and in many of them in the neighborhoods I grew up, so I'm very familiar with the environment. It's like coming home. Yeah, right. Well, let's talk about something that you did that you didn't think at the time was very controversial. You went on a radio show recently, and uh, wait, can you tell that story? Which controversial thing are you talking about? I do controversial <laughs> every day. Well, it's a it's a controversial one you talk about at the beginning of your book that you you talked about. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you're about this is from my book, the memo, which comes out you know this week, uh, and. I went over the Roland Martin radio show, African American audience, and started talking about slavery from an economic perspective. And I just said that slavery is immoral and unethical as it was, was not about something personal. It was actually how to build a country for free and um, capitalist manipulation. I call it back capitalism, but it was about money. And the audience went crazy. And I just kept talking because I, to me, two plus two equals four. So I just kept talking. And I didn't realize that I had really alienated my audience and they were going wild on social media. I left there and got in the car to go to the airport and my Twitter account was just exploding. It was 140 characters, just wasn't doing it. So I went on Facebook Live. It was my first Facebook Live series of broadcasts at that time. And just explained myself and I called it modern slavery. And Ambassador Andrew Young says to live in a system of free enterprise and not to understand the rules of free enterprise must be the very definition of slavery. And so that was my message to them. And, and I explained it myself more fully in that conversation where they could see my eyes and my facial expression and hear the passion of my voice, hear my empathy. And I wasn't dismissing slavery or the cruelty of it. I'm saying that the cruelty was a byproduct of the bad capitalism. Yeah. So there's now 39 million views on that same channel I have on Facebook Live. So we didn't do so bad. Well, and your whole point in the memo, and really, I think your point as an educator, is that you have to understand the rules of how the system works, because as you explained early on, the system really isn't built fair for a lot of people. Correct. And it's what you don't know that you don't know that's killing you, but you think you know. And whether you are changing or not, the world is changing. So you have got to get the memo, otherwise you are subject to a life of no aspiration. And it gets worse than that. Uh, because if you hang around nine broke people, I guarantee you, you'll be the 10th. So when it comes to the memo and when it comes to people getting the memo, what does that memo really say, John? It says you are capital, number one. 
that capital comes from the Latin root word capitas, which means knowledge in the head. So actually, capital has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with because because capital net in the financial form is simply a transfer of financial value. That this is really about the knowledge from your neck up. Uh, and if you know better, you do better. And if you don't, you won't. You've got to learn to love yourself and believe in yourself first and foremost, because with, because half of all poverty is self-esteem and confidence or the lack of self-esteem and confidence. And half of all wealth is having self-esteem and confidence. You and I cannot do this interview without both of us having sufficient confidence. You cannot produce this year's show without having confidence. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that your mindset has to be about what you're for, not what you're against. It has to be about uh, not surviving, but thriving. And that's a major shift because a lot of people who are beat down and poor and struggling, whether you're white, rural, or black and brown urban, are depressed. The world has convinced you that you aren't anything. And then fear has you uh, next. And then relationships, one of my favorite ones, this is half the book, is relationship capital. That half of this world is really about relationship capital. Like, why do you go to Harvard? (laughs) You go to Harvard and spend four times as much. It's a great university. But you spend four times as much because you're going to end up four times smarter when you graduate? I don't think so. (laughs) You go to Harvard because at the end of the term, when you graduate, the class of 2018 is going to hook each other up for 40 years. That's why you go to Harvard. That's the memo. It's part of the memo. When it comes to somebody getting their act together and, and realizing that I've got this power inside of me, what are the first steps? Like when you're teaching somebody financial independence, what's the first step somebody needs to do on that journey? You need an early win. When you've got low self-esteem and low confidence and crappy role models and a crappy environment and no hope, you need an early win. And so that's why I love credit scores, because all of our problems in this country are in 500 credit score neighborhoods. All the depression, all the lost hope, all the homicide rates, all the dropout rates, all the low GDP, low job creation, uh, low levels of entrepreneurship, all of the negative stuff, high crime, are in 500 credit score neighborhoods. We have a check casher next to a payday loan lender, next to a rent-to-own store, next to a title lender, next to a liquor store, all preying on that poverty. Now, your audience may be thinking I'm talking about poor black people, but I'm also talking about that same example applies to rural white America. Right. So, and in 700 credit score neighborhoods, don't riot, man. You've never seen a 700 credit score neighborhood riot in America's history. They just want to go shopping and spend time with their family. So the first win I want for you is one where you are empowered and you see the needle move. So we pull your credit report as an, in one example, and we, you know, 90% of the time we'll find an error. And when we help you resolve that error, the law states that the credit bureaus must remove that within 30 days. When, when we do that, you get a 40 point pop on your credit score. So you go from 580 in this example to 620. Well, self-esteem goes up, <laughs> confidence goes up, you know, start believing in the free enterprise system a little bit more. You go, okay, wait a minute. Now something finally worked. Well, now what do I do next? And the minute you tell me, the minute you ask me, what do I do next? I've got you. Yeah. That's a powerful time, isn't it? It is. It's a pivot point. Yeah. Somebody's finally taking control. You know, you talk a lot about role models. You talk about relationship capital. Can we touch on that again for a second? Because I think a lot of that circle of poverty that you talk about is just that people don't have the right role models. How do you convince somebody to get out of hanging out with these five deadbeats that are around them and to find somebody new? I tell them to look around them. 
I use stories and quotes a lot to get people to both laugh and relax and to see a visual picture. And when I say to people, if you hang around nine broke people, you'll be the 10th. There's not a person who doesn't get that. <laughs> right? You start looking around, you're going, wait a minute. I don't see any entrepreneurs around me. I don't see any doctors around me. I don't see any CEOs around me. I don't see any real estate investors around me. You're like, wait, wait a minute. This guy's making some sense. Maybe I need to start. You know, you're a nice person and all. But, you know, my cousin Louie just keeps asking me for money, keeps asking me for money, right? You can't do anything for me. So I think it's, first of all, just getting people to see their environment. When you're depressed, you don't see what's around you. You don't. You know, gentrification, let's talk about that. So every inner city in America is going to get reclaimed in the next 10 years, period. In France, an inner city is called Paris. <laughs> in Britain, an inner city is called London. London. Like, you know. These are very prosperous places. You know, New York is Manhattan. So these are centrally located real estate. We have poor people in these neighborhoods who are have low self-esteem and low confidence, crappy role models, a crappy environment, no hope, no aspiration, which means that they sit there and never leave their porch. Meanwhile, you and me, high self-esteem, high confidence, good role models, a great environment. We're hopeful. We see opportunity everywhere. We walk in that same neighborhood, buy a shack, rehab it, and rent it right next to the person who's been living there their whole life. My job in this book is to get you to open your eyes so you're sitting on a gold mine. Which is powerful because I think I love the message that you don't have to go out and find new stuff. It's all sitting right in front of you. But you also say, you make a big point in here though, John, that it's not about networking. I love I love your difference between networking and relationship building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only people making any money at the networking reception is the host of the networking reception. Like when I used to go to these things, man, and I mean my drawers are filled with business cards I never <laughs> used. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And you're talking to some broke person. I mean, I'm sure they're nice enough, right? And if, you, if you're trying to get a date, if you're trying to have a, a good time, fine, that's your goal. But if you're truly trying to go to try to get some business done, you're talking to somebody, you're trying to sell somebody something that they're trying to sell to you. You're giving them your business card and you're crashing into them as they give to you theirs, right? But is Bill Clinton going to a networking reception? Is Bill Gates going to a networking reception? Is, uh, you know, I mean, pick the entrepreneur, you know, pick the person that you admire or respect. Are they spending time at a networking reception? No, they don't have time for that stuff. So once again, look around, check out your environment. If everybody's broke around you other than a family reunion. It's probably the wrong place to spend too much time. But I even like your emphasis that it's about giving. Not getting. Yeah. Yeah. Transaction, relationship, networking is a taking business. Relationship building is a giving business. Relationship building is about what you have to give. Networking is about what do I get. And when you have a relationship, you're actually concerned about the other person. You genuinely are interested in the other person. I will often go to meetings and end up talking for 30 minutes about the person's family and their life. After which they're like, now, John, what can I do to help you? Now, that's basically saying... Because you care about me, I care, and I'm now interested in you. The opposite of that, by the way, is, and I think I mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to say it again, you have idiots and fools running countries and companies and brilliant people who are homeless. Actually, I didn't say this, but I'm going to say it now. Precisely because it's not about just how smart you are. What is your relationship capital? And your relationship capital has to begin with you, right? That inner wealth, that inner conversation that you have with yourself. So if I don't like me, I'm not gonna like you. 
If I don't feel good about me, I'm not going to feel good about you. If I don't love me, I don't have a clue how to love you. And here's the big one. If I don't have a purpose in my life, I'm going to make your life a living hell. (laughs) Because whatever goes around comes around. So once again, you'll end up with these poor relationships. And then then when things don't work out, we want to throw our hands up and say, see, the system's rigged. Well, the system may be rigged, but we may be helping it. And that's what I love about the memo is that, uh, you know, even though the system's rigged and, and, and you identify that at the beginning of the book, that's not an excuse for you to not move ahead. And I was surprised that you're not about people getting a job. You're about people being much more entrepreneurial. Why that distinction? Because there's no skyscrapers in the inner city. <laughs> there, are no, there are no office buildings in rural America, right? <laughs> you know, that's not where Google went to go headquarter themselves. You're not, and if Google was there, they're not hiring you in all likelihood. They don't know you. Go back to relationship capital. Who you will give an internship to? Your cousin, boo-boo, that's always asking you for a loan. You want to get him off your couch? Or you can give it to a total stranger. Now, we'd like to think you're going to give it to a total stranger who's competent and qualified. And occasionally that happens, but that's not really practically how it happens. It happens because you know somebody, you have a relationship with them, some association, and you hook them up. That's what happens. You know, there's a group that got a memo before, and it was the founders of American industry 117 years ago in the 1900s that came to to America from immigrant, mostly European places at that time, who literally had nothing. I mean, Again, the guys who created Goldman Sachs was a guy named Goldman, a guy named Sachs selling stuff in a briefcase nobody wanted. They couldn't get the job, so they created the job. Sam Walton may have wanted to go work at some big corporation, but the one's going to hire me at a high school education. Uh, he's from Arkansas. He wasn't part of the club. So he decided, I'm going to create my own club. Forget cashing checks. I'm going to go write some checks. Forget getting a job. I'm going to go create a job. So now this guy who had a high school education and a storefront and a pickup truck now has created the wealthiest, largest retail network in the world. And the stories go on and on and on. So I'm telling this generation, be a generation of builders. I don't really care what you build. Build something. But if you have a 700, let me, t- let me be blunt. If I had a choice between having a felony on my record, when of course I paid to my debt to society now, if I had a felony on my record, or having a 500 credit score, uh, I'd say give me the felony. Conversely, if I had a felony on my record and I'm not going to get hired at some big company because I won't get cleared, I don't know anybody there, but I was able to raise my credit score to 700, I don't have to worry about the fact that there's a felony on my credit anymore, I mean on my record anymore, because now I can go create my own job because I will get approved for that loan right. to start my right. own business. Yeah, the felony is irrelevant then. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, where do you think NASCAR came from? <laughs> it came from moonshine running. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that's, that's literally true. Who is the biggest, when you talk about relationships, I was very curious reading the book, who who is the biggest relationship that changed your life, John? The name that hits me immediately is Ambassador Andrea. My play father, my surrogate father, my personal hero, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, right arm, strategic director, lieutenant in the civil rights movement, uh, mayor of Atlanta, you know, turned Atlanta to an international city, congressman. You know, it just His resume is unbelievable. 130 honorary doctor degrees. The only black man I knew other than Quincy Jones at that time when I was coming up who was international. And I didn't want to be a black leader who. I wanted to be an international leader or a good leader who happened to be black. I'm very proud of being African-American, but it's not who I am. It's, it's, 
it's not my identity, it's my DNA. And I'm proud to be African American, but I want to be able to compete with anybody at any place at any time with no buts next to my name. I didn't want somebody to say, I like John Bryant, but I respect John Bryant, but I would invest with John Hope Bryant, but I didn't want the butt next to my name. So I found some role models that I thought removed the butts and just forced myself on them. <laughs> so now Quincy Jones and Ambassador Andrew Young are two of my role models and two of my closest friends in the world. The book is called The Memo, Five Rules for Your Economic Liberation. I have to tell you, John, this was it was a page turner. It was, uh, I think, for somebody, whether they're starting out or they need an attitude adjustment, I think whatever the situation, the memo is, it's, it was a powerful read. Where, where can people get it? You can get it online most easily. And this, in, in today's world, everything's online. You know, Amazon has it. iTunes has the audio book where I read it myself. All three and a half hours that I read it myself, which might put your, your listeners to sleep. I don't know, but it is my voice. You can get it uh, at uh, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, in fact, I'm told that uh, Costco has it in many of their stores physically. The you know Just type in the memo on the internet. Thank God it comes up my name and you can find the retailers uh, near you. Thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes, man. Thanks for having me. It was great to hang out in your mama's shop. Lasty lads and lasses, for it is I, first mate Doug, with today's trivia question. Since it's National Talk Like a Pirate Day, I got to a wondering, which pirate got himself the most booty before retiring? And I ain't talking about down at the Sizzler now, am I? If you know what I mean, <laughs> I'll be back to fire the guns at the answer in just a minute. Hey, stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler. Or is that what just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a, a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Uh, Chase just recently had 100000 on, on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are, are extremely profitable for large banks um, and they are really wanting to get more customers. And so they're, they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say if, you're, you, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Here's a question. What's keeping you away from investing in real estate? Well, over my career, I repeatedly hear that time, you know, the time it takes to find renters, property managers, and to fix problems and stress. What if you don't find a good property manager? What if you don't find a renter? Those are two of the biggest factors keeping people away from investing in real estate. We talked to Gary Beasley, CEO of Roofstock, about how the team at Roofstock are helping you take back a good night's sleep. The biggest pain point I have found is management. When you buy properties, you don't want to get calls about the tenant having a clogged toilet in the middle of the night. We solve that by finding third-party managers in each market who handle all the details for you. 
How's that for an advantage? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. You own the house, but Roofstock handles as much or as little of the headache-inducing issues that you've come to expect with renting, but that doesn't have to happen if you partner with the right team. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Check them out at stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. It's your old pirate pal, Doug. Back again with the answer to today's trivia question. The question was, mateys, which pirate got himself the most booty before hanging up his sails? The answer, Sir Francis Drake, who made $123.6 million in 2012 currency. And I didn't know that guy was still a pirate in 2012. Wow. He later went on to become second in command of the English fleet and mayor of Plymouth, England. Talk about a well-rounded career, would ya? By the way, speaking of pirates, does it strike anyone else as weird that the Pirates of the Caribbean DVD has a piracy warning label on it? That is kind of crazy, isn't it? See ya! That is crazy. This guy needs somebody to help him write his jokes. I, t- I think he needs somebody he to... he does sound Scottish. He sounds Scottish. Sounds like the he dude t- from Brave. He doesn't sound like a pirate at all. Do you want to tell him? I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell him. From way over here in this Blackbeard. This you said Blackbeard. That was a good guess, but Sir Francis Drake, of course. I didn't think Sir Francis Drake was a pirate. How about that? He was a pirate. Well, how do you? How are you a pirate but then second in command of the English Navy? So, so you're thinking that people can't turn the corner and go from being bad to being good? Is that what you're saying? No. P- people don't get a second chance in life. They can't turn things around. And when you're a pirate, we got John. Pirate law, dude. We got to get John, John Bright Hope back down here, man, to talk. By the way, thanks to John for coming down. How inspirational is that, OG? Go build something. Go do something. The people you surround yourself with so important in your life. Absolutely. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's, or rather, life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most. And those two things, OG? I got it. Uh, Diversification and passive income. Bam! If it's roof stock, but it's your money and your time. Oh, God dang it. Yeah. Sorry about that. It's why they created a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual that you can purchase entirely online. Qualified healthy applicants, they can even skip the medical exam. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and to learn about life insurance the modern way. Tell you what I like about the Haven Life website. I love, out of all the tools out there that will help you discover how much life insurance you should get, the one that's the most robust in my book, the Haven Life tool is the best one. Uh, so go check that out, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today, we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to our good friend, D Money. Say hello, D. Hi, guys. I have a question about an inherited IRA. I'm currently 38 years old. I've got about 20000 in 403B and about 180000 in an IRA. Both of those are split just about 50-50 uh, between traditional and Roth versions, and I'm fully invested in uh, stock index mutual funds and all of those. 
So I recently inherited about eighteen and a half thousand dollars in an inherited traditional IRA. My first thought is to just have that be part of the overall scheme and invest it straight in a low cost index mutual fund, which will fit in with the rest of my allocation. However, I also it's possible that I might like to buy my rental house that I'm I'm currently renting, and if, if it goes on the market, I'd like to be able to have a down payment to purchase it. And that eighteen and a half thousand dollars in the traditional inherited IRA seems like a good place. However, I know that if I just withdraw that money all in one chunk, it's going to count towards my income. I'll have to pay taxes on it. It would likely pop me into a higher income bracket for the taxes, which I don't like. But I'd like to have that option. So is there some way that I should maybe think about investing that like a bond fund or something that I can be uh, have a little bit more security that it will be there in case the market turns down when I want to withdraw it? Or am I barking up the wrong tree? Is there something I'm not thinking of that I could possibly do with that uh, traditional inherited IRA money? Appreciate your help. And I uh, hope I continue not to learn anything from you guys. Of course. D money. Thanks for the question. How old did he say he was? Late thirties. So what do you think, man? Well, let's talk real quickly about an inherited IRA. Just kind of kind of lay that out what that is. So you have your regular IRAs and your Roth IRAs. Those are ones that you contribute money to. An inherited IRA is an IRA that somebody else contributed to that they left it to you when they passed away. And so just like your IRA, it's shielded from taxes while it's in that IRA. You can't commingle an inherited IRA and your personal IRA. It has to stay a separate account. And you've got three different distribution rules. Uh, firstly, there's never a 10% penalty on inherited IRAs. So even if you're under 59 and a half, you can take that money anytime you want without a penalty. But you have to take it all out after five years. So you can let it sit there for five years and, you know, take it out after five. Or you can take it all out now. Or you can take it out in little bits every year for the rest of your life. And there's a schedule that you have to follow, just kind of like the required distribution rule when you're 70. It's a similar table and you just follow that table and the rules and you take a little bit out every year. And what we see most of the time is when you have an inherited IRA, that's what they do, you know, is you just kind of distribute it in little bits because it's over your life expectancy be a little teeny tiny bit, a couple hundred bucks every year. Probably not enough then to, you know, he's worried about the next tax bracket. Unless yep. you're hugging that tax bracket, probably not enough money at $18,000 that it's going to affect that. Well, and even if it did, you don't have a choice. So, right. good, so, good point. You know, you can <laughs> pound your fists and stomp your feet all you want. Uh, Dude, who, you are, who are you, John Bryant Hope all of a sudden? Yeah. You could yeah. deal with it. Adapt and overcome. Uh, now, as it relates to should I use it for a rental purchase, or it sounded like it, he's renting a house and he wants to be able to buy it for himself. Yeah, so if the landlord decides to sell it. decides to sell it, yeah. Ultimately, I guess I don't have too much of a problem with that because it's kind of money that happened, right? It's not, it's not earmarked for another goal already. Obviously, you know you're going to have to pay taxes on it. Uh, what you might think about doing if you're worried about the tax bracket creep is – Withdraw a little bit this year up to whatever the current limit is that you have in terms of your bracket. Withdraw a little bit next year toward the end of the year once you kind of know what your income is for the year and move that into a regular brokerage account. And that way you don't have to be surprised in, you know, whatever, 18 months from now or two years from now when he says, okay, I'm ready to sell it. And now you got to take it all out, right? You've kind of staged that money. That might be an idea. As far as the investments go, uh, definitely. If you think you're going to need it in the next five years, you got to go short term 
uh, short-term income, right? So we're not going to use an equity fund for that. We're not going to use a stock account, international investments, or any of that sort of stuff. We'll find something nice, safe, and secure that's going to be there for sure, you know, in that uh, in that time frame that we need. I think the only thing I can add there is start backwards and then work forward. So take a look at that retirement goal and see, are you behind or are you ahead? Uh, because he gave us the amount of money he has, but I don't know what his goal is there. And so that $18,000, he may find out that, you know what, he's close enough that that $18,000 might be enough to put him over the top after compounding interest. And that might cloud his decision. On the other hand, he also didn't talk about other funds or cash flow he might have available for that home purchase and what the likelihood is that that might happen sooner rather than later. I want to know those things. But I think I'd, I'd look at those two and where he stands, OG, with those two. And then look at the tax consequences and the investments based on which is, you know, where, what the landscape looks like overall. Yeah. If you've got the ability over the next 12 months to save 1500 bucks a month and that's your 18,000 and you can leave this thing alone. There it is. Let it be tax deferred and let it compound. I would do that. Yeah. Now, if this guy's knocking on the door in three weeks from now going, Hey, I've decided to sell. Well, you kind of, you know, time just decided for you basically at that point. Yeah. I wonder if that's a discussion you could even have with the landlord. I don't know what the relationship is between landlord and, uh, and D money, but, but that might be something he can do. Hey D you didn't give me your email address. You know, I need that because when you call the Haven lifeline, guess what? You get one of these badass t-shirts that uh, Haven Life helps us with. So it's the greatest money show on earth t-shirt. So uh, D Money, write me your email address so that we can send you the code so you can go get your greatest money show on earth t-shirt. Thanks to D Money. If you've got a call for the Haven Lifeline, stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail is the place to go. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail. We also get letters. Doug brought down the mail. You know, he kind of even walks like a pirate. Isn't that annoying? Just add it to the pile of things that annoy me about Doug. There's, there's, there's a whole host of them, our Scottish pirate friend. This letter today that he dropped off came to us from Kay. Kay says, hello, I need some help making a big decision. We currently own our home, but we're thinking about moving. I'm not sure if this is a good idea considering our son's 13. He'll be leaving home soon and we're in our 40s. Okay, our home is paid off and worth about $72,000. And our current neighborhood is okay also. We wanted to finally move to a bigger house, maybe around 225000 We have the 20% to put down also, but I'm not sure if we should sell or rent or stay put in our current home. Thanks. I really enjoy your show in the short time I've been listening. Well, Kay, thanks for joining the family here. And uh, let's talk. What do you think about Kay and going with a house that's going to have a mortgage again? I think you got to look beyond just the next four or five years when you're child is off to school and think about what that looks like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line. If you think that this new place is going to be the location that you'll be through retirement or until retirement, then it's not a short-term decision. You're, you're there for 20 years. Now, maybe that you end up with a mortgage and, you know, aggressively pay it down just like you probably did this one. I don't have a problem with that if it makes you happy. Assuming that all the other goals, you know, this is the other thing that we we don't know, right? What's all the other stuff that's going on? That was right? my first how thought. How you doing on college funding and retirement planning and all? Yeah, how things. these these two letters, OG, kind of go together, don't they? Yeah, it's a whole different thing looking at one thing in a silo as opposed to kind of the the whole system. 
together. But um, well, because but generally speaking, because if she's behind on her other goals, well, then certainly don't take out a mortgage on a bigger house when she doesn't have a mortgage now. Keep that cash flow so that she can make these other goals happen. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's or putting, be okay with delaying those other goals. Like, right. Go into it eyes wide open. Yes. Say it well. On the current plan, we can retire at sixty. But if we take this house note, we're going to have to wait until we're 65. And we're okay with that because, you know, we'll get we'll get better usefulness out of the new place or whatever. Those are, I think, Kay, those are the things we would think about first as you do this. And and just as an aside, I generally like if if you do this correctly, I generally like taking out if she's going to move. I generally like taking out the 30 year mortgage versus the 15 but then make a 15-year style payment, not extra on that mortgage, but into like an S&P 500 mutual fund or a total stock market index fund and have that be your pay the house off early fund. And you'll find that historically over those longer periods of time, you actually paid that 15-year note off quicker than 15 years um, by by taking out the 30 and having the two steps. But if you're not going to put the money automatically and think of this as you're paying the house off. You're just gonna you just turn a 15 year mortgage into a 30, and that's a horrible thing to do. Mm-hmm. So only exactly. only do that if you're gonna set that up automatically. But that's a great hack for the right person to pay their house off even quicker. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question for the mailbag, you know what? The Haven Lifeline is probably a better way to go because you get the greatest money show on earth t-shirt if you do that. <laughs> Look at me just talking t-shirts. Uh, head to, to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail to do that. Uh, Joe at Stacking Benjamins, if you want to send us a letter. You know the easy way, the way to do this easily for everything is to just go to our website, stackingbenjamins.com. And what you'll find there is a link at the top of the page that says questions for the show. Click that and you'll find all your options to uh, get your question answered on the show. Thanks also to people who refer us to their friends. I love it when somebody says, oh, my friend listens to you, said I had to, and I didn't do it right away, but I finally came around and man, we love the show. Also, thanks to everybody who has left us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. How about this for the new one going on Mom's Fridge? Five stars from Lapraj, L-A-P-R-O-J, Lapraj, Lapraj, Laproj. Who knows? It says, my favorite podcast, and the whole review OG says, love it. Proving, like my, it doesn't have to be long. You don't have to belabor the point. Just say, love it, my favorite show. Bam, drop the mic, done. Thanks, Lapraj, for that one going on, going on Mom's Fridge. And lastly, if you're somebody who needs good financial help in your corner, well, guess what? OG's taking clients. You know what that means? It means that if you head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG, the letters OG, you'll find a link to OG's calendar and you can schedule a meeting with him where you can talk more about exactly what it would mean for OG to work with you as your financial advisor. All right, that's going to do it for today. Coming up on Friday, a great blogger joining the fun from the Adventure Rich blog, Mrs. Adventure Rich, joining Len Penzo and I in a fun discussion on Friday. We're going to have a lot of fun, OG. So, OG, we'll see you back here on Monday. Everybody go stack some more Benjamins. All right, Doug, you got it from here. Sure thing, Joe. I'll let you get back to sanding the old mainmast on your pirate ship, if you know what I mean. So, what did we learn today? First, we all know the system isn't fair. After all, what is a fair but a place where pigs win blue ribbons? But take a note from John Hope Bryant. It's still up to you to get up every morning and make something happen. 
Benjamins don't stack themselves now, do they? Second, working as a woman in business, hopefully it won't take faking a male co-founder to get your dreams off the ground. But the big lesson? It's probably a good thing National Talk Like a Pirate Day is only once a year. Joe's mom thinks that today's just an excuse to have me swab the poop deck. Gross! Special thanks to John Hope Bryant. You can find John's book at johnhopebryant.com or in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Special thanks to Talk Like a Pirate Day for giving us so much great material for the show, like, what do you call a pirate with two eyes, two arms, and two legs? A beginner! Or this one, where did a pirate go when he wanted breakfast? I hop! <laughs> what did he use to make the call? His iPhone! What's a pirate's favorite movie? Booty and the Beast! But it's R-rated! This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I could go all day, really, this whole pirate talk thing. But actually, it kind of rips up your vocal cords. I can't damage the golden cords. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Why are a pirate's bad at cards? It's hard to play when you're sitting on the deck. Nah, we can't end on that one. How about this? What's a pirate's worst nightmare on a blind date? A sunken chest and no booty. Oh, God, that describes every one of my dates. So, wee-oo, 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 grammar police. That would be Len, Penzo, and me. Wait, oh, you're talking about back at the end of the show? Yeah. yeah. Len, Penzo, me, B, Len, Penzo, and I? Yes. 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 Today's, today's hilarity, I found this. I thought that we should, uh, we should talk about this. Because we haven't done dumb news in a while, right? We've had, we've, we sometimes see dumb things in the news. This one's great. This is the Associated Press, September 16th. Authorities say an Indiana man who robbed a gas station made off with food, drinks, and cigarettes. What he didn't steal? What do you think he didn't steal? The money. He robbed a gas station. What didn't he steal? Gas. Gas. (laughs) 
The Northwest Indiana Times reports that a state trooper arrested 33-year-old Sean Harris on Wednesday after finding him stranded by the side of a two-lane highway with his vehicle out of fuel. Dude robs the gas station and has a car that has no gas. You know, the thing is, is that I really think these criminals are just just really <laughs> stupid. You know, you got to go. You got to fish where the fish are. If you're going <laughs> to rob the gas station, you got to take the lottery ticket. That's right. That's ex- like, like, yes. I mean, yeah, you can make. But are the lottery? Make out but are the lottery t- on the money? Are, are the lottery tickets trackable, though? I think the lottery tickets might be trackable. Maybe, but at the end of the day, they're not trackable like in an instant, right? Like if I, I wouldn't know, but it seems to me like you walk into a gas station with a scratch off and you hand it to them and they go beep and they scan it and they, you know, what's the worst they say? They say at that time, this, this ticket's been stolen and you go, oh, oh, geez, I just found it on the street. Okay. Well, I guess yeah, keep it then. Yeah. Sorry. Or, or, uh, sorry about that. I but can I still have the two? Thought it was thought it was my lucky day. Can you know? I still have the anyway, two bucks here, I want? Right, and you just off you go. No big deal. And you know, hey, that didn't work. But I don't think that's the case. Authorities say Harris was arrested not long after he entered the Lacrosse gas station. Implied he had a gun and took the items. Police say the, the implication sal- of having a gun. Police say this is going to be the shock of the whole thing. Everybody, sit down. Make sure you sit. I know you might be out on the morning run or bike ride, walking the dog. You're going to have to sit down for this next line. OG, you ready? I'm sitting. Breathe. Breathe in. Breathe out. Police say the South Bend area man's blood alcohol level was above the legal limit. The funny thing is, is that he's going to get in more trouble for that, as he probably should, than stealing a carton of cigarettes. <laughs> it's, it's so, so unbelievable. Uh, we won't link to that, but you can find that that wherever. All right. We are out. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.